Hello and welcome to the Not Overreacting podcast. This podcast aims to tackle all things women's health, from periods to endometriosis to hormones to fertility, you name it, we're going to cover it. It's my goal that this podcast contributes to ending the stigma around women's health and talking about periods, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Today I am talking with runner Lily Bleasdale. I'm super excited about this episode. Lily has been diagnosed with endometriosis and adenomyosis, which as it is Endometriosis Awareness Month, I really, really wanted to get her on the podcast to discuss all things endo and adeno. We also chat running, uh, easing back into training after surgery and all things like that. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi Lily, how are you? Hiya, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am great, thank you. So we're going to talk all things running, endometriosis, adenomyosis, um, and I'm super excited about it. Um, So my first question for you is when, we're diving straight in, when did you get your first period? Oh, so I reckon I was 12 or 13, um, and I actually remember it really really vividly, because it's like one of those stories where you go, oh, that would be the worst time. okay that'd be awful um I was playing tennis and had a white tennis skirt oh no Um, wow (laughs) I remember being in a literally in a school tennis lesson and just being like this something feels weird here um and luckily running over to the toilet in time to have saved the situation wow mortifying but it could have been worse that that is probably the worst period first period story I've ever heard in my life so (laughs) congratulations I'm 100% sure there's worse out there so um, (laughs) yeah I mean I've even got friends who definitely have worse than that um but it was just one of those like really right now yeah I know um so um you are amazing at being open on your Instagram for promoting the fact that you have endometriosis adenomyosis and you are a runner running coach um do you want to explain a little bit about what endometriosis is yeah absolutely I think this is like the biggest question I get asked all the time because people go you got what (laughs) (laughs) um to be honest even doctors go what yeah (laughs) Uh, half the time um but yes so endometriosis is when cells that are similar not the same as but similar to the lining of your uterus grow in other places basically so it's been found everywhere and anywhere in the body um but for myself that was kind of my ovaries my bowel my bladder and a couple of other places as well um and what happens is when your uterus lining kind of swells as it does when you have a period um that those kind of cells also do the same but obviously because they're not in the uterus they've got nowhere to be able to go um and that can lead to quite heavy heavy pain um and also you can have symptoms of endometriosis not just when you're on your period as well um it's um an illness that can really affect day-to-day life all the time um as well which is more what i kind of found were the biggest issues for me amazing that is probably the best definition of endometriosis i've ever heard from anyone so well done um <laughs> so what then is adenomyosis yeah so it's when those cells are actually growing in the lining of your uterus basically so my my gynae refers to it as and it's a really cute way of putting it that I've got a bulky uterus thank you (laughs) um but essentially it just means that you 
got quite a heavy um, and kind of swollen uterus a lot of the time. Um, those cells obviously are in the wall of the uterus, but not in the lining that sheds. So again, it kind of gives you similar um, symptoms as in the other areas as well. Um, but the difference is that I experience kind of a lot of the lower back pain I have, we kind of pinpoint towards being on the adenomyosis side okay. rather than the endometriosis side. Um, the symptoms are relatively similar but in terms of treatment it's quite different um and also the only way to know for sure that you have it is for cells to be tested so with endometriosis which i'm sure we'll come on to with endometriosis when you've had areas that look like it could be endometriosis excised they can test that and say yeah it is endometriosis but with adenomyosis that's much harder because the only way they can take the cells out is to remove the uterus and have a hysterectomy essentially. So it's not something that you necessarily know a hundred percent, but it's more of an assumed diagnosis um, and a management scheme kind of from there for me anyway. Wow. Okay. So what were your symptoms, would you say that led to you wanting to find out, obviously, obviously the only way to diagnose endometriosis is through surgery. So that's quite a big step. So what were your, what was your journey to going on that? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I mean, I'm 26 now. So it's been what 13 years since I had my first period. And the biggest thing for me is that I've barely had periods across those 13 years because wow. of the management that I was put on from a very young age. So I experienced horrendously bad periods from the off, basically. Um, I remember kind of having to put towels down while I was asleep, like just wow. pissing through pads after pad, like it was awful. Um, so at the age of kind of 14, 15, I was put on a pill and I was, I tried I dread to think how many different pills I ended up going through. Wow. Um, but it ended up eventually on a progesterone only pill, um, which meant that you take it all the time. You don't have a withdrawal bleed, so you don't have a week off from taking it. Um, and for me, that actually stopped my periods, which is perfectly safe when it's because of medication that you're on. So that's absolutely fine. Um, but for me, it did. And for me, that was like some of the best management of having heavy periods and at that point no one had ever even uttered that I didn't even know what endometriosis was yeah to be honest um and then I moved over from being on the progesterone only pill to having a progesterone coil um literally just for ease basically I was at the age of maybe I want to say like 18 19 and I was like this is going to make my life easier I don't have to remember to take a pill every yeah. day it's the same hormone it doesn't change anything and again I would shout from the rooftops about it to my friends that it was the best thing ever um anyone who said to me that they were thinking of getting one I'd be like do it <laughs> um but eventually um I actually started having some symptoms of heavy periods again um and it was at that point that the symptoms became quite aligned with what then turned out to be endometriosis so um, the kind of lifeline of that coil I got near the end to during COVID and couldn't have it changed because at that point the NHS weren't doing kind of yeah. changes and things because of in-person care um, and yeah <clears throat> essentially ended up with it coming very close to the end of its life and at that point really horrendous pain all the time bleeding during intercourse then you've got things like 
peeing constantly couldn't stop all the time um, <laughs> all the time and my friends joke but genuinely will sit down for a dinner and I'll have to pee like four times during the dinner um but experiencing things just like heavy fatigue migraines as well lower back pain and I think the big thing for me was just like the throbbing leg pain that I would okay. have as well um and yeah all of these things started happening again at this point no idea what either of these um illnesses are mm-hmm. um and kind of so many visits to and from the doctor I remember every single time I would have kind of a heavy bleed it would be because I have the coil it would be you need to take a pregnancy test because you might have an ectopic pregnancy for example because that's one of the things that yeah when you're especially when you're on the coil no um and then kind of just trying to manage it myself and it got to the point where I was just on pain like ridiculous levels of painkillers it was just yeah um and I don't think at the time and even to this day my treatment has been helped by the fact like I think the NHS is absolutely blooming fantastic my whole family works for the NHS but women's health was already a difficult and underfunded area of yeah and for me they there was just no no one who could help me at at that point in time and you get put on a waiting list and I mean I've still not been seen under the NHS all the care that I've had has been very lucky private Mm -hmm. um and I feel extremely privileged to have had access to that as well um and I think a big thing for me has been that it's really shown me the difference in my quality of life and I don't a lot of the reason why I get involved in fundraising and why I'm happy to speak openly about it and why I'm happy to do all these things is because my quality of life since having surgery, yes, I still have some symptoms and life isn't 100%, but my quality of life is just so different. And I, mm-hmm. I don't like thinking about all those women who are sat on waiting lists. Yeah. The quality of life that I used to have, who, I mean, I've been on an NHS waiting list for six years now. Like, it's yeah. insane. Um. But yeah, I basically one day ended up in despair, <laughs> Googling my symptoms, um, yeah. as you do. And then obviously Google tells you you're going to die. Uh, <laughs> um, but I remember this page coming up called endometriosis. And my sister's a GP. And I sent it to her and I went, do you think it could be this? And she went, it could be, you know, it might be. And it was at that point that in every appointment I went to, I started taking that page with me and going, I think it's this. Yeah. I think it's this even taking things like the nice guidelines with me and going okay you've not done this test you have to do this test now like this is how it works this is the flow you have to follow um and it was kind of because I had insider knowledge from her of yeah how to push and how to advocate for myself which you shouldn't necessarily have to do but unfortunately you do when it comes to women's health um and yeah eventually just couldn't get anywhere because of kind of the waiting lists and things like that and it was getting progressively worse and worse. And it was that point that I went down a private route um, instead. Um, and yeah, the kind of the doctor that I see on the private side wanted to go straight ahead with kind of excision surgery. Um, had my laparoscopy in December 2021. Yes, that's right. December 2021. Um, I'm like, what year are we in now? It's <laughs> December 2021. Um, and then, yeah, my kind of care and treatment's been ongoing from there. Amazing. So you went for your surgery a little over a year ago. Um, how was the process with surgery? Mm-hmm. And 
I guess, how did you feel when you finally got an answer? Yeah, absolutely. I think, so the first thing for me to kind of say, which I've already touched on is obviously the very privileged position that I was in to be able to access that care privately, um, which meant that my experience maybe doesn't align with everyone's experience who's gone through um, surgery. Um, But I can certainly talk about kind of what I experienced. And I think the overall kind of, what happens is is pretty similar um in terms of surgery for me I was in for two days so one night um hilariously I was meant to go in at the beginning of December and then my surgeon caught COVID oh Um, no so I I'd isolated for two weeks so I could have the surgery wow the day before he in inverted commas caught COVID um and we had to push it two weeks so I had to isolate again so at that point I've been isolated for god knows how long um and then it turned out that he had a false positive COVID test um story um so that was chaos and yeah but I went in can't remember what day of the week it was I feel like it was maybe a Thursday that I had surgery Thursday or Friday went in um had my surgery pretty early on in the morning so at this point in the weeks leading up I'd had a lot of kind of scans and tests and everything like that for me nothing had shown up on my on my scans nothing had shown up on MRI nothing was showing up on an ultrasound um so this was the step to find answers hopefully and I remember sitting before I went down for surgery and just thinking the worst thing that could happen for me is them not finding anything I actually want them to find something because I want an answer yeah Um, and I know a lot of women who I've spoken to about their experience have kind of said similar to Mm -hmm. be honest like it's like you want them to tell you there is something wrong with you because you've got to a point where you just want an answer um I remember it's the first time I've had surgery for anything so I was absolutely crapping my pants I was like (laughs) I'm not happy about this um considering my whole family are doctors and nurses I am squeamish don't like anything to do with hospitals (laughs) just not me um yeah went down remember being put to sleep well don't remember being put to sleep obviously but remember them going you're gonna fall asleep now um and then remember waking up kind of in a like post-surgery like triage type room and just being really cold like absolutely freezing like shaking my blanket um but them just piling loads of blankets on me and being like you're okay it's fine um (laughs) And then falling back asleep, being taken back up to my room. And then I presumed I would be in there for quite a long time. Um, but actually, I think I'd only been in surgery for like an hour or so. In wow. the end. It wasn't anywhere near as long as I expected it would be, um, which was the first thing that sent me into panic because I was like, they've not found anything. Mm. If I was only in there for that long. Um, but actually what they they had um and I remember the nurse coming in and my only question as I'm sure everyone yeah is, did you find anything what yeah was wrong um and she kind of looked at me like she wasn't really meant to tell me uh because I think the doctor's meant to kind of tell you not the nurse yeah. but she was like let me go away and see if I can just give you a brief update before the doctor comes to speak to you went away came back um and I remember her telling me that they'd found what was probably stage two endometriosis it's very difficult to kind of grade it I think they don't have the gradings are so kind of they move into each other they're quite fluid but I didn't have any adhesions where places were stuck kind of together Mm -hmm. um it was more kind of surface endometriosis what they had found so they were they put me around um stage two um and then I also remember her 
saying the adenomyosis word and then I basically just burst into tears and she was like what's wrong and I was like I'm not being crazy that's the first thing I said was wow there was something wrong with me like that that was it um and I honestly just felt relieved which I know is a really strange way to put it when you've been diagnosed with two things that probably well they have been a part of your life for the last 13 12 years but you didn't realize or no one was listening and then now they're going to be part of the rest of your life like I'd done enough research on both of these things to know what that meant for the rest of my life but I was just glad I had some kind of answer at that point yeah um and then yeah remember sticking around hospital watching a lot of tv for (laughs) the afternoon um just remember being very very out of it on painkillers and what I think was morphine um I was having a great time I think and then was basically told that if I'd been able so they took my catheter out and then they were like if you can pee of your own accord by the time you go to sleep tonight you can go home tomorrow otherwise tomorrow morning otherwise we might have to keep you in a bit longer um and in classic Lily fashion I was peeing like like it was an Olympic sport. so <laughs> yeah was allowed to go home the next morning um and then kind of the journey started there with kind of ongoing treatment and things like that really that's amazing um yeah I think a lot of women maybe listening to this who maybe have endo or adeno I think they probably can relate a lot to your story um so what is your treatment plan going forward and and how are you finding that yeah definitely so I obviously had my surgery in December um for from my doctor wanted me to go straight on to a new hormonal based medication um which is called dianagest or zalkia is also its trade name um which i don't think is used that much in this country apart from under the private kind of care side of things um it's not something that i've been able to access on the nhs so it's something i pay for privately as well so again this is where my experience may differ yeah. from some people who are listening here um it's not actually licensed as a contraceptive the idea of it is that it completely inhibits um egg release so therefore at no point does any of the tissue swell up for you to have a period so basically it tries to relieve those symptoms of my adenomyosis um because obviously as i mentioned earlier the only option if i want to be rid of my adenomyosis yeah. is to have a hysterectomy which is something at this stage my doctor is not happy to do and for me I don't know if I want to do that and it's not something that I want to delve deeper into at the moment um but for the kind of hormonal treatment I started that around the end of January I think in the end um as I said it's not licensed as a contraceptive so I actually had a new coil put in in a second kind of hysteroscopy procedure um but I went for a non-hormonal coil this time um they were I wanted to make sure that I didn't have any bleeding or anything but they were very clear that the amount of hormone I was going to be on from the Zalkia and Dianagest would inhibit that anyway so um went for the non-hormonal option because otherwise it would have just been I'm quite a small human and a lot of hormone (laughs) in a small human is how my doctor put it essentially um so yeah that's been my that's been my treatment really I've been on Zalkia for just over a year now um I have had some continued symptoms, but we think that's my adenomyosis rather than my endometriosis. Um, 
I've also had quite a lot of pelvic physiotherapy, which has been really, really helpful for me as well. Um, again, it's something where you can just take away what they're telling you and kind of practice it yourself as well. So for me, it's been quite a good way of continuing my care without a humongous price tag because you can go for yeah. one physio appointment and take away a lot and do it yourself at, at home as well. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much been it really. I went back to see my doctor six months down the line and then a year down the line, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and have obviously been chatting through with my doctor that I've got some pain and symptoms still um, and what are kind of the next steps there. And I'm going to be having some more tests and scans. We think it's probably that the Zalkia dienogest that I'm taking for, more, for my adenomyosis just isn't quite enough to fully, fully suppress it. Um, and then we can kind of see what to do from, from there, really. I think... For me, I was kind of like, you've changed my life. Like my quality of life is completely different. This is nothing compared to what I used to yeah. experience. And I'm not saying that it's ever going to be perfect, but is there anything more that we can do is kind of what I'm trying to figure mm -hmm. out. Um, I have a feeling that we'll probably get a couple of years down the line. And as everyone fears, your endometriosis might grow back. I know that in future, I will probably have to have more surgeries and more care. Um, but for now, it's kind of a management phase of treatment. Yeah, where I that's how I like summarize where I'm at. <laughs> I guess that's the difficult thing with with both is that it there's no there's no known cure and there's no known cause and it's obviously very under researched. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably I think for me as well I find that difficult to get my head around. Um, it's like, how can you know about this, but not know about this? Like, how do you not have a clue? Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. So yeah, that's really, really um, insightful to hear your experiences. Let's talk running now. Yeah. So when, look at your smile, as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I say that, um, people listening can't see that, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I have. Um, when did you first start running? Right, so if any of my friends are listening to this, they all think it's hilarious. They, they think it's the funniest thing on earth um so I started running I think in 2017 I think it was um about two years before in about 2015 I did one really rogue 10k race which again all my friends thought was absolutely hilarious like I was not a runner um I grew up dancing but I was the kid at PE whose mum wrote her a, a note for every p session hi mum if you're listening um <laughs> saying that i was sick I wasn't sick um to try and get out of p basically huh. um and a lot of the time weirdly looking back now a lot of those notes i actually remember being she's got horrendous period pain and i did really have horrendous wow. period pain but i was saying this to someone the other day and i remember being like you would go to the room where the people who were sick and weren't doing p and you would <laughs> a note in at the door if you've got a male teacher you were onto a winner Absolutely. Yeah. They wouldn't even question it. They'd just be like, go in, sit down. <laughs> you kill there. I don't need any more questions. Um, but yeah, it's 2015 did a random 10K and then um, was like, no, don't know why I did that. Absolutely not. And then just my my granddad passed away. Um, I think it was 2016 that my granddad passed away. And my sister and I wanted to fundraise some money basically for charities that were relevant to, to him. And we honestly sat there and went, what's the most ridiculous thing that we can do that people will give us 
money for and it was running like (laughs) everyone was like you two running yes um and then safe to say my sister has never run again and (laughs) (laughs) it's now my job so um, yeah it's been just about six years five six years now um and I've always had a passion for kind of fitness in a way um coming from a dance background I was a dance teacher as well um and during just before covid I kind of said I want to do my personal training qualification even if I don't do it full time it's something I want to do I want more knowledge for myself um and then covid just made me kind of reevaluate what was important to me mm-hmm. and I wanted to have a more flexible life um I wanted to help other people as well and I think my personal experience of kind of struggling with my menstrual cycle and I've just spent hours upon hours reading research about women in sport and how menstrual cycle affects energy levels at different times of the month and all of these things and I just went there are women out there who I'm I'm different to a lot of coaches who are out there I, I don't care about you getting a pb unless you want to get a pb or like a faster time i don't care about turning you into an olympic athlete that's not what i do i help you manage your training and what you want your goal to be around your life and that's everything from your kids to your menstrual cycle to maybe your perimenopausal or maybe you've just reached menopause or actually maybe you've just got so much going on this week that you need someone to go okay when this week can you get out and run and I'll plan it in for you um that's more of what I do and I was enjoying my running so much and just for me I want to see how far I can go with my running and moving away from working like a nine to five desk job meant that I could do that whilst also doing something with my coaching and passer that I'm just passionate about 24 7 like I live and breathe it I feel really bad I take my work phone absolutely everywhere but um a lot of races happen on a Saturday and Sunday and I try and be a bit more removed from work on a Saturday and Sunday yeah you'll see me you'll see me like at the family lunch or something just refreshing results pages <laughs> um but yeah that's kind of why um I ended up running I basically just caught the bug I know everyone yeah them, but I caught the bug yeah that's amazing that's such a cool story though I think um it's super interesting and I love the fact that you're focusing not just on getting a best time with with the people that you're coaching but actually focusing on the bigger picture because there's there's so much more to life than just going out for a run unfortunately yeah I mean for me that is what I do with my running that doesn't mean what everyone else wants to do with with their running and it it was just like an air. I think the way I summarized it was we're here to help your your running fit around your life rather than your life fitting around your running. Yeah. And I'd come from a really full on when I say nine to five, not nine to five job, essentially, where I it just got really stressful. Like I was trying mm. to fit in all of this other stuff that I really wanted to do. But actually, I would be like stressed out my mind about how I was gonna fit it into my week. And that's not what I, well, it's part of the reason why I went, okay, if I want to do this properly, I need to step away from this yeah. job. Um, but that's not what everyone necessarily wants. Like they, they don't yeah. necessarily want to do that. And 
my kind of coaching when we sit there and we have an onboarding call or talk through what is important to you that's literally the first thing I say is what's important to you what do you want out of this and that's where we go from from there and I do have some clients who yes it's about time for them but I have some clients as well who want someone to hold them accountable to getting out the door three times a week for their own mental health or Mm -hmm. they have a big charity thing that they want to do and it's we talk about what's your goal and their goal is I want to feel this way when I reach the finish line like I want to feel like I could have gone further or I want to feel like I've really achieved something when I reach that finish line it's not always about time yeah that's amazing so I guess linking it with um with endo and adeno how did you find running before surgery and how do you how do you find running now oh my god um this is like my favorite question when people ask because weirdly and I don't know if other people listening to this who have endo and adeno might feel the same a they actually say that bad memory is one of the symptoms and I genuinely have the world's most horrific memory loss but when I say I can't really remember a lot of the Mm -hmm. pain I used to be in I genuinely think it's because my mind has stopped me from Mm -hmm. thinking about it and blocked it out I don't know if anyone else has experienced that but I I do remember vividly a couple of runs where it, it was just unbearable I remember heading out for one of my marathon training runs I think it was in 20 2021 actually just before I had my surgery I was with one of my best friends and she just looked at me and went you need to stop you really Mm -hmm. need to stop um I was really struggling putting one leg in front of each other I think I drugged up on painkillers before I'd even gone out the rut I just couldn't do it yeah I'm a very mentally heavy person like I can push through a lot um and again I think this will be really similar to people listening your nine out of ten isn't a nine out of ten like someone says says to me oh what's your pain today I'd be like oh it's like a two but to yeah. a human being that's probably like an 11 yeah um, you just get used to it and it becomes normal so when people say like what was your running like before it wasn't much different it just was a lot looking back now it was a lot harder but at the time I didn't realize it was a lot harder um I was having to take a lot more rest and recovery after a run I would literally sleep for a couple of hours after I'd done it and that was part of my day whereas now most days not every day but most days I can get up I can get out for my run I am fairly symptom free my legs turn I it's I don't have to sleep for (laughs) two three hours after I've been for a run yeah I still sleep longer at night and I still really kind of encourage that as well like rest and recovery is so important but it's not just it doesn't feel like it's destroying me or controlling my life that's great controlling my running on a day-to-day basis now I think that's probably the biggest difference and what I've been able to achieve has just completely gone off the roof for me yeah I think I don't think we realize looking back now I kind of had this conversation with my mum at the time how sick I was I don't think Mm -hmm. anybody including myself realized how sick I was because you don't realize until that's taken out of your body or away from you or you're on treatment what life can actually be like and how you can excel and that's the biggest difference for me I think yeah that's amazing so um I 
commented this on your Instagram because I recently had my surgery, um, but I'm going to ask it for anybody listening. What's your tips for people get who maybe um, were athletes beforehand, maybe not just running, but um, who've just had surgery? What's your tips for easing back into training? 100% the biggest thing is please take the rest that your doctor tells you to take. Um, it's told for a reason. Um, don't be worried about losing fitness. You're not losing fitness. You're making sure you're a healthy human being and your body yeah. is ready. Um, wait until you have that full final kind of discharge. Um, for me, I was also very, I asked a lot of questions to my doctor about running specifically and about what would you recommend when I return to running? I think asking those questions is really important and being clear with your doctor about the level at which that is part of your life. So for me, I was like, this is my life. This is what I do. So we need a strategy to get me back. Whereas for some, they, it's kind of normally assumed if you speak to a doctor, when can I run again? Or when can I go to the gym again? That you're kind of a recreational human being that maybe goes for a 30 minute jog a couple of times a week, for example, you need to be really clear about what the level of exercise you're doing is because it's very different returning to a 30 minute jog once a week than it is a six day a week training schedule it's very different and the biggest thing was just take it slow and take it steady I think I I started back with a two mile run like I'd been running a marathon just before I'd done my surgery and I started back with a two mile run and I think I slept for the rest of the day when I got (laughs) home um it was just being really clear with myself about this is where you're at now and this is where we go from here and knowing from day one when I had had that release you can go now not going crazy and going here's the goals that I've got for the rest of the year and here's the points where I'm gonna check in with myself on them so if that's you go to the gym and you're starting back you normally go to the gym five days a week cool well look at that as your goal for in 16 weeks time you want to be back at the gym five days a week and then break it down and go okay for the first four weeks I'm going to gym once a week for the next four weeks, I'm going to try and get back to twice a week and just do it bit by bit. Um, and whilst it might take longer than you like, it will make sure you're doing it in a way that's good for your body. And you know, yeah. when you've done too much as well. And you know when to back off. Um, and the biggest thing as well for me was core strength where I'd had my surgery and where I had had kind of the areas cut in to have keyhole surgery was just making sure I'd rebuilt my core well as well. So if it's not something that's provided by your care pathway, I definitely recommend physiotherapy as well um, from a pelvic and from a kind of core point of view as well. I found that really, really helpful to be properly assessed by someone and for them to give me a plan as well going forward. Yeah, that's amazing. So quickly, before we wrap up, what is your goal for this year? (laughs) Oh, Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say it out loud Um, so um, I guess two goals for the year really and I think the first one is kind of life and then the second one is kind of career running wise so life wise I think my goal is exactly the same as last year and I think it probably will be kind of going forwards is to live life to the fullest and kind of go with every opportunity that is given and 
make the most of those moments and whilst my life isn't being controlled by these illnesses use every second of it because I know at some point in the future I might be back in a place where I have to make decisions based on my illness rather than what I want to do um so that's the biggest one for for me which was the same last year as well and then um run a really speedy marathon I'm not ready to say the time out loud (laughs) (laughs) but I have a quite speedy marathon goal for for that's amazing running London marathon in April and then um I don't think I'm actually allowed to say what marathon it is yet but I've got a quite big marathon in September as well so well um, if if people want to know um that speedy marathon time when you get it or the other (laughs) marathon that you're running where do people find you of course so um I am always posting about kind of my running but also my endometriosis and adenomyosis journey over on my Instagram account which is Lily's Fitness um which is L-I-L-L-I-E for Lily because I spell it very strangely um and if you're interested in learning a bit more about kind of coaching side of things and what we do um my company is called Passa, and you can find us at train Passa as well um and we're always basically shouting about how amazing everyone i work with is because they're all great and they're all superstars um oh. but yeah <laughs> amazing well thank you so much lily i've had a great time i could sit and chat to you all day but i'm sure you've got <laughs> things to do and people to see and runs to go on um well have a great day and thank you so much for having a chat with me you're welcome thank you for having me hope you enjoyed today's podcast if you did please be sure to follow us for more and review us uh it really supports our podcast also feel free to check out our instagram page at not overreacting podcast to keep up to date with all things related to the podcast we hope you have an amazing day bye guys